I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I'm teaching on Saturday on the very reason for the for the viruses that's going on, whether it's coronavirus, whether it's Ebola, or whether it was uh, uh, AIDS or polio or the virus of 1918 or whether it was smallpox or bubonic plague. That's all been because of the preachers in the world. It has nothing to do with politicians. The politicians are merely they're the uh, pimple on the melanoma that goes down to the soul of the world. The Bible teaches us that in in Deuteronomy twenty eight and in in uh, Exodus the fifteenth chapter and in Leviticus the twenty sixth chapter, God tells Israel if you go after any other doctrine any other doctrine, and you do not keep my commandments, keep my commandments, he said, I will send the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and then I'll send the beast, and that will be the world ruling system, world rulers, and that will be, first it started off with Assyria and Babylon, which are basically the same uh, people, and then Babylon, and then Persia, Greece, and then Rome. And these were represented by animals. That's why they're called a beast. Babylon was represented as the lion, Persian as the bear, Greece as the, as the leopard, and Rome as the beast with iron teeth. And when I've got this title up here, Marrying Truth to a Lie, the end of time is what it's about, The Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, there's some things we have learned, and I'm going to kind of review them so you can see them for what they are. I believe we're on the verge of eternity. The world is crazy. The United States has gone and jumped off the deep end. I'm not a... I'm not a politician. I don't like either one of the candidates. Didn't like Donald Trump. He cussed during his first election bid. Used the F word constantly. If you don't believe that, go online and look up Donald Trump and the F word, and it'll tell you. I remember seeing him on TV. Don't like Joe Biden. He, I hadn't liked him for 30 years when he was ahead of the, of the Senate committee that investigated New Supreme Court judges. I remember when he investigated Clarence Thomas. He was sarcastic and nasty. And back then, in the late 80s, I said, I don't like that guy. He's just a smart aleck, arrogant. Didn't like either one of them. I wouldn't vote for any one of either one of them. I keep saying it's like bringing out a black mamba and a king cobra and say, you want to sleep with one of these? No, I don't. Don't believe in them. I believe in the church, the elect of God. Now, I want to review some things about what I taught last week. I want to try to straighten some of this out, help you to see this. I've gotten several letters from people. This is about Genesis, the sixth chapter, Genesis 6, and Matthew 24. These are the two 
that go together right there. Genesis, the sixth chapter, is talking about the sons of God, sons of God, marrying the daughters of men. And there's this goofy fairy tale. It's actually a fairy tale, marrying daughters of men. And boy, this has angered some people that I'm preaching against that. That is not... The sons of God is not fallen angels. Would fallen angels, if they're fallen angels, let me ask you this. Would they be doing the will of God? Huh? Are fallen angels that have been cast out of heaven in Revelation, the 12th chapter, are they doing the will of God? No, they're not doing the will of God. They rebelled against God in the heavens and sided with Satan against God. They're not doing his will. They cannot possibly be sons of God. The Bible says in the 8th chapter, excuse me, in the 14th chapter, of of uh, Romans that the sons of God are those people. Let me quote it to you. Romans 8.14 As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Sons of God are led by the Spirit and the Holy Spirit is truth. Fallen angels cannot possibly be sons of God. And that's this stupid fairy tale. It's a fairy tale. It comes out of Ginsburg's Legends of the Jews. It's a legend. And let me give you some of the other things that that I've been teaching you. Angels do not marry when they come up and say these fallen angels intermarried with women. The Bible says, Jesus said in Matthew, the 22nd chapter, angels neither marry nor are given in marriage. Given marriage, ekgamizo, A-K-G-A-M-I-Z-O, is the word given marriage. It means to give your daughter outside, out of truth. Well, angels do not come down from heaven and intermarry with women. They're not sons of God. And then I brought up last week, what was happening in the day of Noah will be happening at the end of time. Let's look at that one more time. Go back to the sixth chapter of Genesis. The first time I heard this 30, 40 years ago, I thought that didn't make any sense. And I found out there's a whole lot of preachers in America have been preaching this. The way you match this up, you got to look at the two chapters. you got to look at Genesis 6, and the Bible tells you what is happening at the end of time. What will be happening at the end of time. And Matthew 24 will tell you what's happening at the end of time. What's happening. And the Bible says, at the end of time, people will be partying, they'll be marrying and giving in marriage. What that means, it means to marry truth to a lie. 
You say, Jim, I thought you said all this. That's right. But I'm kind of resetting this because I want to go into actually what this means. It means false doctrine. If you're going to tell lies, you cannot tell lies by saying something that's just ridiculous. You have to have an element of truth mixed with a lie in order to deceive people. You cannot say, I've said this so many times, you cannot say Cinderella died for your sin and the seven dwarfs are her apostles. That doesn't fool anybody. You can't say something like that. That wouldn't, but you've got to have a Jesus in it. In order to deceive, you've got to have a Jesus. You've got to have saved. You've got to have salvation. You have to have prayer. You have to have baptized. And you have to have a communion of some kind. I call that crackers and grape juice. There is, there are two Jesus in the Bible. Two. There's two of them. Two Jesus. And they're like this. Here's, this is where I like to put it in a column type series. There is, there is the Jesus of the Bible. Here's, here's the, Let's make it in a column. There's the Jesus of the Bible. And what he says. And he says. Believe for salvation. But it's more than what you think. It doesn't mean just believe that he existed. It means to believe every word he said. To believe or faith, because faith and belief are the same word. And he tells us daily cross, that means death to self. And how does a daily cross come about? In the first century, you had to be condemned to a cross. And you'll only be condemned for telling people the truth, particularly about the things that we teach here. Christmas is pagan. It was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America. Christmas and Easter are the same basic thing. Easter is Ishtar. It was the resurrection of Tammuz from the dead. And it's the same thing as Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras was called, that's Fat Tuesday. That was a seven-day festival in February that the Franks had or the French. And then it's the same thing as Halloween, All Hallows' Eve. That uh, I can go into this in depth, but I'm not going to do it right now. So, there has to be a daily cross. When you tell people about predestination, that God does not love everybody, people want to crucify you and put you to death. You say, I don't know of anybody that's been put to death. Well, you would be. The word death is thanos, or thanatos. Thanatos. And thanatos doesn't mean annihilation. Everybody thinks of death being Annihilated. That's not what it means. It means separation. In its separation, when the 
if you're in a body and your spirit separates from your body, but the spirit is still alive with Christ or it's in hell. One of the two. You're just being separated from the body. So death to self is a day. That's a daily cross. That's what the real Jesus preaches all the way down the line. Daily cross, death to self, self-denial. And the real Jesus says we have to be infamous. And when you tell people these truths, you are reproached. Bless you when men shall reproach you. And aniizo, O-N-E-I-D-I-Z-O, it means to be infamous. So famous, famous wouldn't just be a big famous singer. It would be that. It wouldn't be just a big famous sports star. It wouldn't be just some famous president. It would be anybody who owned a company who made himself famous in a town by his advertising and say, we do the best job of anybody out there and we're reliable and we're We've been around for 60 years, and that means we're really somebody who we say we are, and they're famous. Company owners, are most of them lie. Do you not know that? That guy, my pillow guy, don't believe him. Mary bought two of them for me and her, and I don't like them. They're not comfortable. That was an advertising campaign. That's all it is. So she kept buying pillows, and we got a bed full of pillows till we got some that felt right. But it wasn't my pillow. Don't believe that. Now, then you have, I can go all day long with the Jesus of the Bible. Death to self, daily cross, self-denial, being hated by the world. That's what he said. He said, if the world hated me, it'll hate you. Did they hate him? Well, they took him and killed him because of his words. Do you say enough words to make people who are angry enough to separate from you? You try to tell them about Christmas. You try to tell them about predestination. And the next time they see you, they may be 30 or 40 feet away. And they, you catch their eye and they go, Oh, oh, hi. Hi, Michelle. I got to go now. I don't have time to talk. And they separate from you. That's a death. And it's obvious why they're separating because they don't want to hear it. So that's the Jesus of the Bible. Then you have the other Jesus. Other Jesus. The Bible talks about him. Second Corinthians 11 and 4. Now this is really amazing. I tell people a lot of times, do you know there's two Jesus in the Bible? People say, what are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about the Bible. Let's look at that in Second Corinthians 11. Second Corinthians 11. And Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. He said, I've espoused you to one husband that you may be a chaste virgin. What part of us is chaste? It goes back to the inner and the outer man. When you're not chaste and you're involved in adultery, Spiritual adultery. Spiritual adultery is what they called idolatry over in the Old Testament. Idolatry. That was spiritual adultery. And the outer man is always wanting to go after self. Idolatry doesn't mean to have an idol, 
of some kind that you bow to. It just, it's the word Ido Lo Latria. Ido Lo Latria comes from Ido and Latruo. Ido means to see. Latruo means to serve. It means to serve what you put into your eyes and your ears, what you see. If it's a car, i got to have that car. I don't care. I have to work three jobs. That's idolatry, just as much as bound down to one of those statues in ancient Ephesus or in ancient Greece or Rome. Just to say, just as much idolatry. The Bible says covetousness, pleonectes, wanting more any devious, underhanded way you can get it. Covetousness is idolatry, wanting more any way you can procure it. That's idolatry. It's just as much as idolatry when Israel went after Baal in the grove and Shemash and Molech. It's just as much idolatry as that. Now, we're talking about this other Jesus. This other Jesus. Let's look at him here in Second Corinthians 11. And he says, Paul says to the Corinthians, Would to God you would bear with me in my folly. I'm going to speak foolishly. And in, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, Corinth. I'm jealous over the church with a godly jealousy. I don't like people leading the church away. The church is the wife of Christ. Idolatry is when the wife goes off and sleeps with an idol. That's what Hosea said. He said, your idolatry, your idols were your lovers, Israel. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. The only thing that can be the virgin is the inner man that cannot sin and go after idols. That's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then he says, But I fear something for you, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve, exapatao, E-X-A-P-A-T-E-O, E-X-A-P-A-T-E-O. It means to utterly, completely, delude now I started off this and I said you have to have some truth in order to deceive that's what Eve received from the serpent he didn't say God is not God and he's not and he's not uh, this has to do with marrying truth to a lie he didn't say he's not God and he and uh, and he and you need to question him. He just said, Hath God said, Did he say you can eat of all the trees? Well, he lied to you when he said that. He did not mean what he said. And all these preachers are saying, Well, this word predestinate doesn't mean predestinate. It means something else. A fellow called me earlier today and said, I talked to this woman preacher. I said, first of all, she don't need to be a pastor of a church. How can she be a one-woman man? That's what it says. It doesn't say the husband of one wife. How can she be a one-woman man unless she's a lesbian? You can't be 
a one-woman man if you're a woman. And he said, she said that, he said that, she said, predestination can't be true. They make us robots. And I said to him, that's exactly right. It makes us robots. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, first of all, the the originator or the creator has to create a robot, doesn't he? And he has to program the robot and put a certain program in him. Well, God creates us as new creations, and does he put a program in us? He writes on fleshy tables of our hearts. But we're still not willing to go do the work. What do you have to do to a robot? Well, if it was an old robot where you had to wind it up, you had a winder. Nowadays, we've got computers where you just punch a button. So God's got to punch our button. And what is our button to make us walk right with these laws that he's written in our hearts? What's our button? Our button is the scourge. He says, I scourge every son I receive. I'll beat you. I'll beat you so you can be a partaker of my holiness, so you can perform all the, all of the process of the robot that I programmed you to be. That's right. We're robots. We're not any, even any more than that. If there's none that doeth good and none can seek after God, he better program us if we're going to heaven, hadn't he? And he better cause us to obedient, be obedient because we have to obey the faith. The Bible says so. And we can't. So he has to cause us to do that. And that's what a robot maker does. He causes the robot to do what he wants to do. That's like a man that invented the computer. The computer can only do what's programmed in it. And we can only do what's programmed in us. Isn't that right? If he doesn't program anybody, nobody's going to heaven. Nobody. So don't worry when you say, Jim, I can't understand all these words. You don't have to understand them. They'll be going on in your heart. And you'll know when you're doing wrong, won't you? I do. Now, we're still talking about this other Jesus. Gosh, I've got to get back to man truth to a lie. Now, let's keep reading here. I love this chapter. I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy. I've espoused you to one husband that you may present you as a chaste virgin, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent in the garden. I love the word serpent in Genesis 3 and 1. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. That word serpent, that word serpent, let me move this. The word serpent is the word nakash, N-A-C-H, N-A-C-H-A-S-H, N-A-C-H-A-S-H. Nakash means to enchant. Ah, you thought the serpent was poisonous. No, he's going to make you feel good. I love what one writer said. He said that word enchant means, and this takes us right back to idolatry, idololatria, to serve what you see. He said this word enchant means to kill with the eye. That's when you she began to serve the tree. She put it into her eyes and her ears. She looked at the tree and she saw a tree that was good for food. It's pleasant to the eye. It would make her wise. Those are the same three things that John said in 1 John 2.16. All that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. When she, she had a, it would fulfill 
her desire for her flesh, it would fulfill the lust of the eye and would fulfill, it would make her wise and she could be proud in her own conceits. So, now cause. So when you see serpent here, it's not talking about something evil looking at bad sounding. It sounds good. It has the same meaning as the word dragon. The dragon in Revelation 13. Revelation 13 said there was a, a dragon that came up out of the sea, a beast that came up out of the sea, and the dragon gave this beast his power, his seat, and his great authority. The word dragon, dracon, means to fascinate. It don't mean something, a fire-breathing dragon. It means something that looks good, feels good, makes you feel good. The same thing as enchant. And when, and all that Satan did in the garden was put the word of God in question. said, did God say? Well, he didn't mean that. And he said it real smooth to her. He didn't go, ha, 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 ha. And sound like some witch. It's not what he did. He was talking real smooth to her. Eve, hath God said? Well, he didn't mean that. He didn't mean you'll surely die if you eat of that tree. Now, let's go on and look at this. As the serpent beguiled Eve, Exapatao deluded her completely with smooth words, questioning the word of God. That's what these preachers do today. As he beguiled Eve through his subtility, through his panogia, P-A-N-O-U-R-G-I-A, P-A-N-O-U-R-G-I-A. It means trickery. He was tricking her. When somebody comes on real smooth to you, talking real smooth and say, well, the Bible doesn't actually mean that. It means something else. That's what Kenneth Copeland, Fred Price taught before he died. I don't believe Fred went to heaven. I don't see how he could. He didn't have a daily cross, death, self, self self-denial. All he did was preach for money. That's what Jesse Duplantis preaches. That's what all these preachers do. They preach for money. They twist the word of God and pervert it. Then he goes on to say, through his subtility, so your minds, your noema, your perception, your intellect, N-O-E-M-A, your thinking is corrupted. Your thinking has been twisted and perverted by preachers who twist the word of God because they marry truth to a lie. That was what was going on in Noah's day. Truth had married a lie. And I've said this last week, and it may take me a while to get through this. And so your minds, your thinking, will be corrupted from the simplicity The haplotase, the singleness of your mind. Haplotase. Haplotase means single. When you're young, you're innocent, and then corruption enters in when people begin to twist truth, 
You go into business and truth is twisted so people can make money. It's always twisted and perverted now. So he says, he goes on to say, For if he that cometh, what he's saying, there's some preachers coming to Corinth, and they're claiming to be believers, but they're preaching the wrong Jesus. For if he that cometh, I said when I started this subject, there's two Jesus in the Bible. There's the Jesus of the Bible that says, Death to self, daily cross, self-denial. Do you know that's comforting to deny self? You know what's uncomfortable? What's uncomfortable is when you've got that inner man and that outer man fighting each other. You've got your flesh. It's kind of like the fellow that just wrote us from Texas. He said, I'm wrestling with myself, my flesh. That's the outer man. Paul said he was wrestling with that every day. And there's an inner man that says, I don't like the way self is living. And the inner man is what convicts you. That's proof of your salvation and your belief. Because it doesn't like what's going on and causing your body. You're saying, but I want to do that. That feels good. I keep saying this to everybody. If you can get old enough and live long enough, you find out that this man outside fights everything and everybody, and it's all over self, and it's all over position and fame and all that you get and all that your flesh wants. That is what fights the world. And the inner man says, stop fighting. And over the years, through God's sending fire and trials and persecution and tribulation, he makes this inner man cause the outer man to give up. When you get to be old, you've got a thin veneer of the outer man that wants the flesh, but the inner man through fire and trials has taken over your body. That's happened to me at my age. In my 80s, I don't want to fight anyone anymore. It's comforting to come to this place because when you begin to realize that God has preordained everything. When you realize Isaiah 46 and 10 is actually true, when he says, I've declared the end of time from the beginning and everything that's not yet done in your life, just tell me anything that you can name that you don't like that happened in your life. God ordained it. When you come to realize that, why would he ordain that for your good? And my good. He says, and we know that all these things work together for good to them that love God. All of what things? What he said before Romans 8 and 28, he's talking about groaning. He's talking about, when he's talking about groaning before that, groan, groan, groan is just a verb, it's just a verb form of straight. Straight is the gate and narrows the way. Straight is the word stenos. Groan is the word stenazo. And when you're groaning, you're hurting in life because God's getting rid of that outer man. The outer man is what hurts you real bad and you don't like it because you can't have your way. 
and it upsets you and it bothers you, when God can get rid of the outer man, you'll say, everything is for my good, and we know that all these things work together for good to them that love God, to them or the called according to his purpose. It works together for the called. Called is the word kaleo, and ek kaleo is the word church. Or ecclesia comes from ek and kaleo, and ecclesia is the word church. Ek means called out. And that's the Khalil. So all things work together for good for the church. It don't matter what it is. As you get older, you think, gosh, I've fought people all my life and I've never accomplished one thing in one of my fights and arguments. Not one thing. And when you come to the realization that all the bad things that's in your life is God's will for your life, that's when you can say, well, I wrecked my car. This or this guy wrecked. He ran into me and put this big dent in my fender. It's going to cost five thousand dollars to get it fixed, and I've only got a uh, two thousand dollar deductible. I got to come up with the three thousand. That is for your good. It's going to teach you not to be in the situation that you're in. You're going to learn not to be where you used to be. I've learned not to hang around people that fight because I don't like to fight. So stay away from people that fight. That's why I wouldn't go fishing with some free will person that believed in Christmas and believed in free will and hated predestination. I'm not going to fish with him. Why would I? All it's going to do is get us in a fight. Now let's keep going on this. For if he that cometh, these guys are coming to Corinth, and he preaches another Jesus whom I have not preached. Paul preached the real Jesus. So the other Jesus is one that Paul did not preach. Well, the one he didn't preach was this other Jesus. What the one that he preached was belief, faith, daily cross, death to self, self-denial, being infamous, hated by the world. That's the one that Paul preached. He said, there's this other Jesus that I didn't preach. That's what these Baptists and Pentecostals and Church of Christ and Charismatics are preaching. They're preaching false doctrine about how to be saved. They're talking about accept Christ and sinner's prayer. And the Bible says that's not true. Every preacher I know of, Baptist preacher I've ever heard of, they give invitation hymns and they tell people, come down the aisle. God's not inviting anybody into the kingdom. He's commanding his predestinated elect flock to come. And he said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. He that cometh to me, I will no wise cast out. He said, and if you have a hearing ear, God put that in you. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. So if you can hear the truth, you will come. You won't come down some aisle in a Baptist church. That's not what he's talking about coming. He's talking about coming to him. So he says, these preachers that are coming to Corinth are preaching another Jesus, an easy Jesus. One that says, accept Christ. And all you got to do is walk an aisle and you're home free and you can accept Christ and, 
and you can go get back upon your feet and you can start going out there and getting your business and hoodooing people and hustling and beating people out of money because you accepted Christ and you prayed the sinner's prayer. Praying the sinner's prayer is not the method of salvation. Every Baptist preacher I know of in America tells you that all you can do is walk down the aisle and pray this prayer, this sinner's prayer for salvation in your home free. That's not true. That's just not true. My father preached that. It's not true. Billy Graham preached that's not true. Charles Stanley preaches that's not true. And they all, every one of them go to Romans ten thirteen. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's true. But that's not the method of salvation. Read the next verse. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? You don't believe in God. You can't just walk down an aisle and pray. You will call on him and you'll call on his name. But not before you believe. It's not the method of salvation. You preachers know that. Why you keep saying that? And the goofy Southern Baptist Convention had a meeting one year on whether accept Christ and sinner's prayer was true. And they voted that it was. You guys were lying through your teeth. It's like you don't believe the Bible. I've got, you can go on the internet and find that. Now let's see what the rest of this is. For if he that cometh to Corinth, these some preachers coming to Corinth were preaching the wrong Jesus and the wrong, and he goes on to say, and preach a Jesus that I haven't preached. Or if you receive another spirit, which I have not received. Now, the Holy Spirit, Jesus preaches the Spirit, and he preaches, he's the one that said, the Spirit is the truth. Or well, First John 5 and 3 says, the Spirit's truth. And he also said, Jesus said, when the Spirit has come, he'll guide you into all truth, not into part truth. God, you know all truth. That's Jesus. Well, if the Spirit is truth, Aletheia, A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A, and it comes from Lanthano, Lanthano means to lie hid. The alpha privative negates the word. It means no hiding, not to hide anything. Well, these, this other Jesus hides the truth. It's another Spirit. And then he says, and another gospel which you have accepted. Now let me tell you what Paul said in Galatians. Here's what Paul said in Galatians, the first chapter. Galatians 1. Here's his words in Galatians. In verse 7. Well, let's read verse 6, 7, and 8. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not the true gospel. Boy, when you get into gospel, you get into a lot of different things, which is not another gospel. But notice I've said to you, you have to have some truth in order to deceive. But there be some that trouble you and they pervert the gospel of Christ. Metastrepho, 
meta. Let me erase some of this. They pervert the gospel of Christ. Metastrepho. Metastrepho means to overturn or overthrow the true gospel. And that's what's going on in the churches. This is the same thing as marrying truth to a lie. You've got to have some truth and a lot of deception. Let me let me tell you this. If you want to poison your wife, <laughs> how do you do it? Well, you don't take her a bottle that's got skull and crossbones on it and say, here, honey, drink this. You take her a well-brewed cup of coffee that you are in habit of making and you put one drop of strychnine in it, and it tastes good. And she's going to fall dead. So if you're going to poison somebody, you put a whole lot of truth with a little bit of lie, and that will destroy people. And that's what these preachers are doing. I don't know any Baptist started telling the truth. I was raised in a Baptist preacher's home, and I was ordained as a Southern Baptist preacher by the by the Mecklenburg Association, the same association in Charlotte, North Carolina, that examined Billy Graham. I don't know why I did that. That's because some preacher said you need to be ordained, so we need to have you examined by this Mecklenburg Association. I don't believe in the Baptist that I was raised around. The Baptists do not tell the truth of the Southern Baptist Convention 150 years ago. They were all teaching predestination and that Christmas was pagan back then. I just don't understand these people. I started to put something up here. All right. He says, and they're preaching another gospel. See, there is, there's a bad gospel, but it's not a bad gospel. It's a perverted gospel. That's what Galatians 1 and 6 says. I marvel that you're so soon removed from the grace of Christ to another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert Christ gospel, pervert metastrepho, metastrepho. It means to overturn the gospel. Well, you have to know what the gospel is. What is the gospel? The word gospel is the word A-U-A-G-G-E-L-O-I-O-N. Euangelion. Euangelion is a form of you and angelos, A-G-G-E-L-O-S. Angelos is the word angel, but that's not a good word. The word is actually messenger. It's better to put messenger every time you see, every time you see gospel. And the gospel is the blood baptism. The Bible says so. A blood baptism was a death. The Bible says in Mark, the first chapter, the beginning of the gospel. The beginning of the gospel, as it was written, I'm spelling it wrong, I'm writing too fast. The beginning of the gospel, as it is written in the prophets. As written the prophets. Now this 
this same thing is spoken. Now, this is in Mark 1. The beginning of the gospel is. So we're talking about another gospel. It's going to be a exact. It's going to oppose what Mark 1, 1, 2, and 3 says. It's going to oppose Mark 1, 1 through 3. It's going to oppose that. Now, Luke, Luke 3 and and 3 says, John came preaching the baptism of repentance, baptism of repentance, as it is written in the book of Isaiah, it says Esaias, but that's translated from the word Isaiah. And that's written in Isaiah, the 40th chapter. Isaiah 40. So the beginning of the beginning of the gospel is the same thing as the baptism of repentance because it says the same thing that the beginning of the gospel is prepare you the way. Ye the way. And the begin and the baptism of repentance as written in Isaiah is prepare ye the way. Way so if prepare ye the way is the beginning of the gospel and it is the baptism of repentance. Baptism cannot possibly be water. Baptism is blood. A blood baptism was a death, and that's exactly what the gospel is. Prepare you the way. The word way is hodos. And there is a narrow way, narrow hodos. So this is talking about the narrow way. Hodos means highway, way, road, or journey. Highway. So it means prepare the highway, and that has to do with Isaiah 40, where God is saying, telling Israel, prepare a way out of Babylon to go back and rebuild the temple here in Jerusalem. That's a long story. I won't go there right now. Now, so, this these preachers coming are preaching something that's opposing to the narrow way. Narrow is the word Talibo. Talibo, and it and it is the same form of the word Thalipsis. Thalipsis is the word tribulation. One is the verb, the other is the noun. Thalibo is narrow. Thalipsis is the word tribulation. So if they're preaching another gospel... They're preaching something that is not tribulation. Paul said we must do much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. They're preaching no tribulation under another Jesus. No tribulation. God wants you to have everything you want in the charismatic movement. He wants you to pray and ask God for anything you want. And whatever you ask, pray and believe and you'll get. That's not true. Ask is conditional word. It's a legal term. You have to ask correctly. don't have time to go to that right now. Maybe I'll do that next week. You have to ask legally. And by ask, I'll go ahead and say this. Ask 
is the Greek word A-I-T-E-O. It's a legal term. You have to ask correctly. I heard John MacArthur this week saying, you have to ask and use importunity and not be ashamed when you ask. Just keep on asking. God eventually will give you what you ask. Not, not unless you're doing it legally. If you're doing it illegal, you're not asking. Good night, John. I can't, that's the same thing the charismatics say. Just keep asking God. I heard David Jeremiah said, well, asking you shall receive. And I kept wondering, how do you ask? And I looked all through my library and I couldn't find anything on asking. You didn't go into your concordance, did you? You didn't go into your concordance and look through all the words I ask. The Bible tell you the condition of asking. In First John three twenty two, it'll tell you exactly what it is. Don't know if I should go into that right now. Ask. Ask is a conditional word. Ask is the word I tell. It comes from the word a i t e m a. Itema is one of the morphemes, word shapes of ask. Itema is the word thought. That's the same word that Pilate used when he said, I find no fault in him, no reason for condemning him to death. It's legal. You have to ask legally. And boy, the legal part of asking will just nail those guys that say, if you just keep asking and keep asking over and over and over again, God's got to give you it. Not unless you're asking legally. And you can never be asking for things or stuff for you, ever. The Bible says we receive the things that we ask if. Oh, here's the condition. If this has to do with all the twisting that they're doing, the charismatics love this word ask, whatsoever you ask when you pray, believe you receive, and you shall have. Have you ever heard them quote those verses? They say you ask for a new Cadillac or a new uh, Rolls Royce or a new house, and you can ask God to give you a million dollars, and you can have it. It's stupid. First John 3.22 says, We receive the things that we ask if. There's the conditional word right there. If we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. What do you think is pleasing to God? to ask for a new car especially a Cadillac now the charismatics use these words and they say you can actually ask for a new Cadillac and stipulate that you want gold handles and gold wheels on it and I knew one guy in town here that went to TBN and he had gold handles and gold wheels and a gold grill because he asked for that no he cheated some people out of money and bought that so we got it. If you keep the commandments of God, where are the commandments of God now? 
They're written on fleshy tables of our heart in the fourth chapter of Second Corinthians. Excuse me, the third chapter of Second Corinthians. Those first few verses. Well, what does keep mean? Does that mean to do all God's commandments? No, you can't do them all. Keep is the word tereo. It means to guard, be on guard, and and keep them from loss. In other words, you look at your heart and you say, these things are true whether I can do them or not. And you will fight for the truth whether anybody likes it or not. That's keeping the commandments of God. It means to be on guard. It's a common word that's used all through the New Testament. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Keep is that word tereo. Every time he says that, you'll guard them against loss. They're in your heart. I wrote them there and you will fight for them. I won't fight people, but I'll fight for the truth of God's word. And do the things that are pleasing in his sight. What is it? What does, boy, this thing will really knock you out. This word means to be well-pleasing. Well-pleasing. What is well-pleasing to God? Let me tell you what's well-pleasing. Death to self. The Bible says that over in, turn over to Romans 12. Romans 12. And we're going to look at this. Romans 12. This is what is well-pleasing to God. You cannot just have your way with God. This word pleasing in 1 John 3.22 is the word arrestos. A-R-E-S-T-O-S. A-R-E-S-T-O-S. Arrestos means agreeable. Who are we to agree with? Who are we to agree with? How about confess? If we confess Christ, homo logeo, H-O-M-O-L-O-G-E-O, it means to be of the same homo, a homosexual is of the same sex. That's a Greek word, logos. It means to be of the same word, or to agree with. How do you agree with God? Just saying you agree with His words? No, it's what you do. Some men profess that they weren't no God. Profess is the same word, homologeo, Titus one sixteen. Titus one sixteen. Some men profess that they know God, homologeo, profess is the same exact word as confess. But in works they deny him. The way you agree with God and do what's pleasing is it's your works that you do. He that doeth truth cometh to the light. You have to be doing truth to get what you ask. There has to be death to self. 
I don't know why MacArthur and this this knucklehead out there in California, David Jeremiah. So I looked all over my library and couldn't figure out what ask was. Let me tell you where you find it. First John three twenty two. Receive the things that we ask under the condition that we keep and fight for the commandments of God. And this thing that's pleasing in God agrees with God. It confesses God every day. And it's, you know what this is about? Romans 12 and 1, death to self. Let's read Romans 12 and 1. But if you'll notice, the way you deceive people is with by marrying some of the Bible with your opinions, with a lie. And that's the sons of God marrying the daughters of men. And it's going to be happening at the end of time. And it's happening like crazy all over the world in all the churches. I've got a thousand things to say on this. Look here in Romans 12 and 1. This will show you how you get the things that you ask. said I wasn't going to say it, but I get into it and I can't get away from it. 12 and 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. How do you do that? The sacrifice was offered in the temple. It was offered at the temple on that daily altar. There was a lamb offered every morning upon that altar about sunup and every sundown about 6 o'clock. And we are lambs to the slaughter daily, and we have to offer our bodies. And he says here, By the mercies of God, I could say a lot about mercies. Or toreo means to be gracious. Now, let's look at this. That you present your bodies, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. How do you present your bodies as a living sacrifice? You are, we are priests and kings. A priest gives acceptable sacrifice without blemish. That's that inner man that God says he's going to cause the outer man to die to his own flesh over a long period of time. You can't really pray when you're young and ask God for anything because you got too much of this outer man in you. That's why the apostle said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to prosukomai, to bow to your will. Prosukomai, that's the word prayer. Pros toward UK, meaning to will oneself towards the will of another. The only way you can do that is by living a long time, going through a lot of trials and tribulation. Then you learn to pray. Then you can please God. Because that's what he says here. We give our bodies on a daily cross. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross every day and follow me. The daily cross is God's altar in our life. You had to be condemned to a cross. You have to be condemned for telling people the truth about predestination, about Christmas is pagan. When you start telling people the truth, 
You say, that's uncomfortable. I know that. It makes the outer man uncomfortable. But I keep saying this. If you can get about 10 people angry at you over the truth that you live in, one more or less is not going to matter. It won't matter you get one more person mad at you. You say, well, I got all these other people mad, so I'm going to tell you the truth. Christmas is pagan, and God doesn't love everybody. And the Bible says he loved Jacob and hated Esau, for either one were born, for either one had done any good or evil. Well, you're a, you're a, 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 and they want to make a name and call you a name. Let them. You're suffering for Christ. But after so long, I've got so many people across America that hate the ground I walk on. I get to where I just laugh when they write me a letter and say, predestination is not true. I just say, well, I guess you're smarter than I am. I just think it's comical that people are as dumb as they are. Now, once you can get enough people angry at you, you're not going to care about one more. It don't it don't matter to me how many people are angry at me. You know what this does? It makes you free. I am free to say anything I want to to anybody. I was always free to do that, but I was bound by that outer man trying to please everybody in the world. Trying to make people happy. I don't do that anymore. I'm gentle to everybody, but I'm firm about the truth. I'll tell somebody, well, the Bible don't mean that. Do you want to hear? I'll tell you what it means. No, you don't? Okay, catch you later. Bye. I walk away from them. Leave them alone. You say, Jim, that sounds awful hard. Get enough people that don't like you for the truth, and it makes you feel good, and you become free, and you don't care who else you make angry. Because you're going to make them angry, because Jesus made them angry when he told them, your father's the devil. And they said, we're going to kill you for that. Okay, if that's what you want to do. Now, so, please, we've got to finish this. Got to finish this. This verse will tell you what's pleasing to God. To give your bodies a living sacrifice, which is on a daily cross, holy, hagios, pure. That's the only way you can be sacrificed. Acceptable unto God boy that's an interesting word acceptable you remember the word pleasing it's a form of the word pleasing you arrestos a-u-a-r-e-s-t-o-s remember that word pleasing was arrestos well pleasing is a daily cross dead to self so what's pleasing to God is not Asking God for what you want, you got to legally ask, keeping the commandments, and do the things that's pleasing by dying to self. You can't ask for self ever. Other than, Lord, teach me to take my cross and die daily. Give me strength to stand under the onslaught of people. That's the way you die to the flesh. Now... And then he says, Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's only reasonable that you as a believer would do this. I love the word reasonable. Logikos. L-O-G-I-K-O-S. 
You know what that word is in our language? Logical. It's just logical. You'll put self to death. And we get the word logos from that. It's your word service. It's what God commands you to do. That's the only way you can get what you ask. Whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe, you receive. That word desire in Mark eleven twenty-four is the word I tell. So if you desire something, you're designed to die to the flesh. That's the only thing. When they take these words and twist them, that's marrying truth to a lie. They take the word ask and say, you get whatever you want by asking God for it. Asking you shall receive. Seeking you shall find. Seek, Z-T-O, means to worship. You can't get what you want from God by simply seeking it and saying, Lord, I want what I want, and I seek what I want. You have to seek God. Boy, we are so messed up in America with these preachers. They're disgusting. I don't know why God just don't strike this whole world and blow us all up. I've never been so sick and tired of preachers. Now, go back over here to the other Jesus. Second Corinthians 11. Because i got to go back. I didn't intend to go here, but I've spent more time on this. Second Corinthians 11. Now we've read about the other Jesus down here through verse 4. He said, These preachers will come preaching another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel that I have not preached and I'm and have not accepted and I'm afraid you'll bear with these other Jesus preachers and he tells you who they are later in that chapter we're going down here and he says to the Corinthians talking about these preachers verse 13 for such are false apostles, deceitful workers. The word deceitful, dolios, D-O-L-I-O-S. It's a form of dolos, which is the word guile. It means to preach by trickery, by you can't trick somebody unless you got an element of truth in it. They got a Jesus in it, a gospel in it, a saved in it, a salvation, and they say it's all easy by praying this simple prayer. It's not. They'll talk about how easy it is to be saved. It's not easy. Saved is not something you get one night. I got saved, did you get saved? She got saved. One night in a revival meeting I walked out and got saved and prayed the sinner's prayer. But I'm sorry you didn't get nothing. Get is, like I said, it's a John Wayne term. Now get. Or you can go to the store and get. Get a loaf of bread and get some bologna and get some saved. It's just crazy what people have done to the word saved. Saved is the word sozo. It means to be taken from one point all the way to another point and to be preserved through the whole deliverance. That's what saved means. 
Good night, you preachers. You're disgusting. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. You have been saved, you're being saved, and you shall be saved. Because he's saving only his elect family. Now, such are deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. They're not apostles of Christ. They're transforming metaschematizo, one of my favorite words concerning false teachers. Metaschematizo. It means to disguise oneself. They're fake. They're hypocrites. They're liars. Faith. You cannot fake faith. Faith has to be without hypocrisy. The Bible says that. Faith Without hypocrisy is one word in the Greek, A-N-U-P-O-K-R-I-T-E-S. It's a construction of hypocrites, H-U-P-O-K-R-I-T-E-S. There are no H's in the Greek. There's that diacritical mark. It has a breathing sound. It's the... It's the word hypocrites with the alpha primitive. It means no hypocrite, no acting. A hypocrite was an actor in the first century under an assumed character. They put on a face, they put on a on a dress, a uniform, and they acted something out. You cannot have faith and pretend it. Faith is death to self. And that these people are hypocrites. They're liars, these preachers. I believe most of the preachers in America are going to hell. God knows how to make his preachers tell the truth. He knew how to make Isaiah tell the truth. And they took Isaiah and put him a log and cut him in half. He knew how to make Jeremiah tell the truth. And the princes of Israel took Jeremiah and hung him down in the mire. Some writers say that was human waste inside their dungeons. And Jeremiah hung there, and it was pleasing to God. Well, so they are transforming themselves. Transform metaschematizo. Metaschematizo means to disguise oneself. These are Satan's messengers disguising themselves as preachers of Christ wearing a three-piece suit and a watch fob, and they look respectable driving a fancy car out there parked in the pastor's place on the parking lot. They're lying. If they're preaching any other way than death to self, daily cross, self-denial, a new birth, a new creature that God has to do in us. He births us by His will, not by our will. If they're preaching anything besides that, that we were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. If they're preaching sinner's prayer, they're lying. If they're preaching accept Christ for salvation, they're lying. What do you call a man that doesn't tell the truth? You call him a liar. That's what they are. What the preachers are. 
And then he says, and no marvel, verse 14, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Metaschematizo. He's transforming himself into the other Jesus. And that's the one that these preachers are preaching in these pulpits. An easy gospel. Easy gospel. Accept Christ. Sinner's prayer. They don't have no no tribulation. No new creation. No no fire and no trials. You know what they are? They are dokimas. A dokimas. Dokimas means to try or put in a fire. The alpha privative negates that word, negates the word dokimas. It means no fire. And now dokimas is the word reprobate. Reprobate silver was the kind that was not put in the fire and melted and and burnt out all of the impurities. And that's reprobate. Most of the Baptist preachers, Pentecostal preachers, charismatic preachers are reprobates. No fire. We don't like fire. We believe God wants us all to be rich and have lots of money and prosper and be in health. You liar. You mean you'll call, you know why I'm calling them liars? I'm fighting for the believer. I am the biggest enemy of the charismatic movement and this current Baptist movement in America. I am the biggest enemy. You want to shoot me? Just get your rifle. Be sure and shoot straight. I don't want to be crippled. Shoot me right there. I'm tired of this world anyway. I'm tired of you preachers. Call yourself a preacher. You're not a preacher if you don't tell the truth. You think God don't know how to make his people tell the truth? Every one of God's preachers that preached, Jesus preached, Paul preached, Peter preached, James preached, Andrew preached. All the all the prophets preached, and they killed all of them. And Billy Graham preached, and the whole world loves him. Charles Stanley preaches, and the world loves him. Adrian Rogers preached, and all the Southern Baptist Convention loved him. He's dead now. Adrian Rogers hated predestination, even though it's in the Bible. He hated it. You can go online, look up Adrian Rogers' predestination. And he'll say, did God preach that some people are predestinated for heaven and others are predestinated for hell? Absolutely not. That's the title of his message. Adrian Rogers was a liar. He hated God's word when he said that. I don't know. I don't see how he got into heaven. If you hate predestination that bad... Adrian Rogers was a pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, the second largest church in the Southern Baptist Convention before he died. I didn't like him because of that one thing. He just went on there. He preached this nice, easy, slushy Jesus gospel. In fact, I wrote him a letter telling him that Christmas was pagan, and I saw his great big Ashtaroth Christmas tree in his auditorium covering half the auditorium and I wrote to him said this is paganism and he wrote me a letter back and I got it somewhere at home in my library I'm very familiar with these teachings on the feast of Saturn 
However, we're trying to use this season to glorify God. Jesus doesn't want his name on an ancient orgy. That's what the Feast of Saturn was, an orgy. Just when these preachers say stupid things, I don't care how big he was. He was president of the Southern Baptist Convention twice. How can you elect a guy that doesn't believe God to be their president? But if you're president of an association or a convention, that's because you're the best politician. You're absolutely not the best scholar. He wasn't that. This is what bothers people. They sound great, and they sound like they're very eloquent as they speak in these big, round tones. Now, if I did that, you think that would impress people better? And they like to put on and have their big words. Now, God is the ontological God. Who knows what the word ontological means besides me? I just, I heard one preacher get up and say, gosh, I can't think of the word. It was just a big word. I thought, how stupid. The truck driver can't understand what that means. If you don't preach and define, I use a lot of big Greek words, but I define every one of them. I'll tell you what they mean in the original text. Like a dokimos, reprobate. You've heard people call other people reprobates. That's what it means. No fire. We don't like tribulation. Don't tell us that, Jim Brown. I didn't tell you that. The Bible tells you that. So Satan is transformed into an angel of light. Satan does not come wearing a red suit, a spandex suit, red, with horns and a tail and and hooves tied around his that's not the way he comes he comes looking respectable saying smooth words you know what deceives people Paul said mark them which cause divisions and offenses one of my favorite verses mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrines you've learned and avoid these people because these they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly belly was a was an Epicurean term. It means the seat of all sensual desires. They've, they serve their own belly, and here's how they fool people. By good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. That's Romans 16, 17, 18. It's by good words and fair speeches. They make things sound good. How much time do I have, Mike? Maybe I can give you this. I was trying to start off, and I'm going to stay on this subject, marrying truth to a lie. It was going on in Genesis 6. It has to be going on at the end of time. Let's go back over to Matthew. Matthew, the 24th chapter. Here's what's going to be going on at the end. They were marrying truth to the lie in Noah's day. Matthew 24. It may take quite some time to get... I have preached on this before, but I've never gotten quite as definitive as I am today. It's what's going on in all these pulpits of these preachers. They've taken the Bible and twisted it. 
they're, the Bible says they're unlearned in Second Peter. In Second Peter, that fourth chapter, the Bible says, or excuse me, the third chapter, they that are unlearned and unstable, they rest the scriptures. Rest means to twist or torture. They're unlearned, amathes, A-M-A-T-H-E-S. That comes from mathetes, which means a learner. That's the word disciple, mathetes. And the alpha in front of that negates it means no learning. They're unlearned, and they rest. This is verse 16 of chapter 3 of Second Peter. And they rest, streblao. These preachers in America are streblao. They twist the scriptures. They wrench the scriptures. These are all in the definition. They torture the scriptures. I wish all the preachers in America could hear this message. You guys are lying through your teeth. I don't know why God let you live. If I was God, I'd just strike you dead with a lightning bolt. He's going to reserve most of you for judgment, for hell. You say, Jim, are you just saying none of these preachers? I don't hear any preachers saying any truth to speak of. They're preaching a slushy, easy, cotton candy gospel. I don't know why God just don't kill them. In the 24th chapter of Matthew, here's what... This is what I've been talking about this whole message. They've married truth to a lie. The truth is the Word of God. They take so much of the Word and they wrench it and twist it for their own benefit. It's so they can get money out of people. They tell them, God wants you to prosper and be in health. That's not our word, prosper. That's not our word, health. Prosper is the word euodio, E-U-O-D-O. This is something that every one of the charismatics preach. Prosper and be in health. Now, John MacArthur will preach against them, but he won't tell you what prosper means. He won't tell you what health means. They're just lying as fast as they talk. Fred Price preached this. He died about a week and a half ago. I don't see how he could have gotten into heaven. Prosper, you and O, is a form of you. That is a common prefix, not only in Greek, but in English. You, well. You see that on eulogy. You go to a funeral home and you say a eulogy over a dead person. That means well, logos, words. That's both Greek words. Well, words. You, adao, is a construction of you and hodos. Hodos is the Greek word way, road, journey. This word, yuadao, is mentioned three times in the Bible. And when you go over to, I'll give you the three times, Romans 1 and 10. 
Now at length I might have a prosperous journey. The word journey is the word hodos. It's the word way. And every time you find the word way in the Bible, Paul said, I've prosecuted many of that way. Way is the word hodos. Hodos is the word way, highway, road, journey. You hodos means well way, and there's two ways, a narrow way and a broad way. The narrow way, few find the narrow way, many go into the broad way because they're fitted for destruction. And these people write me and say, well, I think God preordained everybody. You, you really don't know nothing about the Word of God when you say that. Now let's go back to Matthew 24. Let's look at verse 36. He says in verse 33, when you see all these prophecies come to pass, you know it's not even at the doors. Then he says in verse 36, but of that day and hour, the exact time knoweth no man, but you'll know the season. I believe we're in it. Know not the angels of heaven, but my father, but as the days of Noah were, the sons of God marrying the daughters of men, truth was marrying a lie. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be, for in the days that were before the flood, in the days of Noah, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage, marrying truth to a lie, marrying two things that don't ekgamedzo, they don't even belong together. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and they knew not until the flood came, boom, it hit them and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. The same way it was in the days of Noah. Go back to Genesis 6. Genesis 6. Do I have any time, Mike? Maybe I can get this in. Genesis 6. The earth was corrupt to the core. Men were evil and wicked upon the face of the earth. And that's why God decided to bring a flood and drown all the people that were evil and wicked in their hearts. The Bible says they were all evil from their youth up. Six. And he says that it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth that daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men. Sons of God are believers. Daughters of men are the sisters of the sons of men. That would be that would be the lineage of Cain in the fourth chapter. That would be the, the fourth chapter marrying the fifth chapter. The sons of God are in the fifth chapter. They trace back to God. Cain's lineage does not trace back to God. And he says, the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. This is truth marrying a lie. That they took wives of all that they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit will always will not always wrestle with man, strive with him. For that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days. That word giant does not necessarily mean a tall man. The word is nephil. N-E-P-H-I-Y-L. 
Nephil means a bully or a tyrant. When you marry truth to a lie, all these men that have twisted and perverted the word of God, you try to go into their church and tell them truth or even go into the home and tell them truth, they'll say, sir, you must leave. They'll become bullies and tyrants with the word of God because they perverted it and twisted it. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after when the sons of God went into the daughters of men, they bare children to them, and the same became mighty men of old, men of renown. The word renown is the word shem. It means name. When they said, let us make us a name, they said, let us make us a shem, an authority. They became men of authority. And they were bullies and tyrants. That's what's happening at the end of time when truth marries a lie it was happening in the days of Noah. It's not these giants that they say. That came out of Legends of the Jews by Ginsburg. He said these giants were like, they said they were 3,000 L's tall. An L is like 45 inches. That means they were 135,000 inches tall. And that made them 11,000 feet tall. These giants. How are they going to interact and sleep with a woman and have children? It's idiocy. It's in Legends of the Jews. That's a five-volume set I've got by Ginsburg. I don't know if you all know how much this has been preached in the pulpits of America. These guys with their imagination. These giants were produced and they polluted the... What pollutes the lineage of Christ is not some giant coming down marrying a woman and trying to lead her away i keep saying what pollutes the word of god is twisting it like these preachers do streblao they rinse the word of god they overturn it they are froward like the old testament says that means to twist and pervert the word of god anytime you find the word froward It'll tell you how evil these people are that twist God's word. That's the Baptists, the Pentecostals, the Charismatics, the Roman Catholics, the Presbyterians. They're all twisting God's word. That's proof we're at the end of time. We have to be close. I don't know. I don't see the church existing another 30, 35 years. I just don't see it happening. I mean, with what's going on in our government, well, it's because preachers have preached a lie. The blame is not on the politicians, it's on the preachers. God says, if you don't follow my my commandments, I'll send these judgments on you. And one of the judgments is pestilence. That's disease. What do you think? What do you think all these diseases come from? They come from God. People call this evil. And Kenneth Copeland's trying to blow the coronavirus away. The guy is a moron. Y'all seen that on the Internet, haven't you? get out of here from coronavirus you you uh, evil thing no you're blowing away the judgment of God you knucklehead the, the guy's idiot go online look up Kenneth Copeland's house he lives in an 18,000 square foot house probably worth 15 20 million dollars he's got thousands of acres of land he's got thousands of cattle he's got a a hanger next to his house with a $30 million jet in. He stole all this from poor people by telling them prosper means money. God wants you to have money if you send me your money. 
If we send him our money, he gets rich, doesn't he? The guy is a thief. I just wonder what these people think when they stand in judgment before God. I don't like them. I'm not even supposed to like them. The Bible teaches me. David said, Lord, teach me to hate those that you hate with a perfect hatred. God loved Jacob and hated Esau before they were born, for either one had done any good or evil. Whether people like that or not, if the Bible's true, that's true. I know this message is hard, and you sound, Jim, you sound like you're an enemy. I am the biggest enemy of false teachers that there are. If they don't like it, they can shoot me. They can crucify me. Do what you want. At least when I'm out of here, I'll go be with the Lord. I won't have to put up with you anymore. I look forward to death. People say, are you going to commit suicide? No, I just look forward to dying. I'm tired of this world. Get into your 80s. If you're not tired of it, you're sick. I'm tired. I'm fed up to here with the lies going on. It's not just the lying preachers. It's everywhere there's lies. The politics the churches, the real estate, the insurance, everything is just, everybody's trying to make a buck. I'm out of time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your truth. God, I get so wound up with this. I'm so tired of everything and all the people out here that's lying and there's a Christian group of people. It's small, but they're your elect, and they're very depressed and down because of it. I pray you'll give them strength and me strength to continue this message. Give us strength to go through what we have to go through. These preachers don't tell people that they're supposed to be going through hard times, and we are. I know that. You said it. We'll praise you for everything. Let us to your elect family and give us all strength to continue. In Christ's name, amen. Well, that's the truth. Now get quiet till next week. <laughs> that's just the way life is. People say, you sure do preach hard not to have anybody but a few people there. Boy, when I get on the truth, I get real, real intense. Somebody used to come here and said, you sure are intense. I said, exactly. That's what we're supposed to be. I don't see why God just don't blow this nation up and kill everybody in it. The way they act towards him, they don't believe nothing he says. Well, I'm not sorry for telling you the truth. Are you leaving, Michelle? Yeah. We're glad you come. Good to see you. I just hope hope this message affects everybody. It does me. When I preach it, it affects me. It just makes me sicker and tired of these insane people out here. I believe they're the devil's children.
I mean, Jeremiah didn't cut him any slack. Neither did Isaiah. Oh, it's just, it's, it's the lies coming from the pulpit. 